I can feel the Holy Spirit rising in me. I can feel the Holy Spirit rising in me. I can feel the Holy Spirit rising in me. I can feel the Holy Spirit rising in me. Thank you, choir. Would you stand together with us as we sing a great old hymn in its entirety, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Let's sing it together. you a song to learn and we sang it last week and we're going to sing it again today because I want it to become part of us. I want it to become part, uh, part of us that we are singing the name of Jesus and saying the name of Jesus continually in our lives. There is nothing that compares to his name. 
There's nothing that compares to the power that comes from just the mention of his name. There's nothing that compares to the majesty in the sound of his name. And if you want to see something done in this world, we need to speak the name of Jesus. There is a name I call in my troubles. There is a word I speak to my fears. There is a power to silence my worries. Let it ring out for the whole world to Again. 
Good morning, church. Well, we can do a little bit better than that, all right? Matter of fact, look to your neighbor, one to the left or to the right, doesn't matter which, and say these words, I, I 
brush my teeth today. Now, I'm so glad you did, man. I'm so glad that you did. Hey, do me a favor. Stand up, turn around, shake a hand, hug a neck. Welcome somebody to Popper Springs, all right? All right, good to see you. I yelled too loud last night. Oh, did you? I did. <laughs> <laughs>
all right? So you, you get the sense of here's this invitation. And I don't know when your invitation to follow Christ that you accepted was. I just know mine, June 11, 1978. Unpacked a little bit of that last week. And so I know that it is an invitation, but if you drill down a little bit further, you'll discover it's more than just an invitation. It is actually a command. So the language in the, group, in, in the Greek actually, actually makes it even much more firm that here is a command that Jesus is making. So the word follow means to observe or to obey. And I really want to unpack that this morning. So if you have found your place, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's holy word. Matter of fact, hold your Bible up and say this with me. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing word. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. So, Lord, today, I thank you for just the sweet time of being able to gather together. Thank you for, Lord, the Sunday school, small groups today. And I pray, God, that was a very fruitful and beneficial time for the body. And, Lord, we've come together in this place for corporate worship. God, thank you. There is something special about when your people get to come together and just to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, I thank you for just uh, how we have been led today in that. God, so thankful for Scott. Thank you for these musicians. God, thank you for this choir. Lord, thank you for all those today that just, God, sang praise unto the matchless name of Jesus. And, Lord, we know that you are worthy of all of our praise today. And Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you as we just continue to dig into this portion of the book of Matthew, Holy Spirit, would you just be our teacher today? I'm asking you to take over my heart, my, my mind, my tongue, my voice, and I pray that everything that is spoken will come from heaven itself and that, Jesus, you will do a great work among us today. And so, Lord, we long for that. We want to see that, God, and we trust you for it today. Lord, teach us what it means to follow you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, when you kind of survey the New Testament, it's easy to stumble upon passages that would indicate that there were multitudes of people who followed Jesus. If we took time this morning, we could look at one scripture after the other, after the other. They would talk about a large crowd or a multitude when they heard, when it was noised abroad, you know, abroad that, that Jesus was somewhere. It was not unusual for crowds to follow him, but they were very casual in their fellowship. Now, I'm not sure if that's a real word, but it's going to be a real word today, all right? So they were very casual in their fellowship. And there were others that were very convinced that there was something special about Jesus. Now, maybe they didn't know exactly what it was, but they loved the fact that he could heal. And they saw him do some amazing things. I mean, they, you, you, you couldn't question the fact that there were people who could not speak. And, and one touch from Jesus, they began to speak. They were people who could not hear. And one touch from Jesus, and they could hear. There were many who could not see, and one touch or one act of obedience because of Jesus, and he opened up their eyes. And so they were, they were very convinced 
in their fellowship. They were fascinated by what he could do. They had no trouble believing that it was Jesus who was doing it, but that as far as it went. And then there were the committed. And that's where I want to spend some time today. Those committed followers. And, and if you continue to look, you will discover they were not the multitude. They were not the largest crowds. As a matter of fact, on some occasions, it was just the 12. You, you know that when the church was birthed in the book of Acts, there were how many in the upper room? Am I going to have to go to the book of Acts? Somebody just say 120. Thank you, Pat. 120, all right? So, so less than probably what's in this building today, right? And so it's not always about the crowd. It's about how committed we are to the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can make an argument that thousands followed him at some level, but there was an occasion when only 120 were willing to do what Jesus had told them to do. So where do you think the, the majority of people who call themselves believers today in the North American church are in those three categories? Do you think, you think they're casual followers? Do you think they're convinced followers? Or do you believe that the majority are the committed followers? Now, I know what I think. I think a lot are casual, I think a lot are convinced, but I think the smallest group are those who we would classify as the committed. But I pray that that atmosphere would change, that we would see God do such a fresh work of grace in the heart of every born-again disciple right here at Poplar Springs that we would begin to, to change that. That we would not be as many churches that are very, very weak across our land. And, and I am convinced that the number one issue is not that they need more money. They don't need more power. They don't need more education. They do not need more political influence. The greatest need in the church today is men and women who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who will embrace him, rise up, and be the disciples that Jesus called us to be in his word. Not what I think, not what I make up, but what the Word says, Dallas Willard may have said it best when he said this, and I quote, The greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians, if they will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from Him how to live the life of the kingdom of heaven in every corner of human existence, will they break out of the church to be his church, to be his mighty force for good on earth, drawing the church after them toward the eternal purposes of God. Boy, I like that. And so that would be my prayer today, that we as his church will impact the world in such a way for his goodness and for his glory, that there would be no doubt that we are committed followers of Jesus. So look again at the text. So they're walking by the Sea of Galilee. Pat and I have been there. Beautiful place. And he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. Follow me. Let me start off today by saying this. Number one, following Jesus means that Jesus takes the lead. You understand that? Following Jesus means that Jesus takes the lead. And if Jesus takes the lead, that means we do what? We follow Jesus. That's why he used those two words, follow me. It's, it is counter cultural. It really was. In that day, this was a phenomenal statement. I, I don't know if you understand how, how audacious this statement was. Every rabbi of that day would pick his own 
or, or a disciple would pick their rabbi. Think about that. So a disciple looking for someone to instruct them, teach them how they could model their life after, they would go and pick the rabbi, the teacher. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, I want you to follow me. I want to take the lead. And for that to happen, there has to be a level of abandonment that takes place. Abandonment for his glory. John chapter 12, verse 26, Jesus said, if you're going to serve me, then you have to follow me. And so what we do know in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has been in the wilderness. He has been tempted and he has been tested. He began his earthly ministry and the one message that he preached in verse 17 was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is not a place. The kingdom of heaven is God's rule and reign and his authority being lived out in my life and in your life. And wherever his rule and reign is acknowledged and submitted to, there we will see the picture of the kingdom of heaven. So to let Jesus lead means we've got to abandon self. Now, that's countercultural today, isn't it? Everybody is about self. Everybody wants their rights. And here, here is a biblical statement. When you come to Jesus, you lose all your rights. You, you, you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I will follow you. I will deny myself. I will take up my cross. I will follow you. It will not happen without you and I understanding what it means to deny self. In Matthew 5, 3, Jesus said to inherit the kingdom of heaven, you have to be poor in spirit. So what does that mean? If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to follow his acts of humility. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is worth selling everything you have in order to find it. Abandonment. Matthew 19, 21 through 27, the, 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 these men said, we've left everything. We've abandoned everything to follow you. Do you understand that if you're going to let Jesus lead, it is going to cost you something? Now, that may not be a very popular sermon point in 2022. You had much rather me tell you that if you follow Jesus, he'll give you a new car. You had, your flesh had much rather me tell you that if you follow Jesus, he will give you every wish and every whim of your life. But ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is not an ATM. He is not a genie in a bottle. The Bible says he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And if we would submit ourselves under his authority, it would mean that we have to abandon all. Let me go on. So following Jesus means that you're going to leave some things behind. So if he's taking the lead, there must be some things that you're going to have to learn to, to leave behind. Things that you might think are needful, but they really aren't necessary in following Jesus. When Jesus says, follow me, I think another thing he's saying is, you got to learn to leave some things behind. Did you notice that in the text? So here's what we know. We know that these guys are fishermen. I would probably love to have hung out with these guys because they just fished. That was, their, that was their livelihood. That was their career. They were professional fishermen. They got to fish every single day. I, I, I wish I had brought it, and I, I, I just didn't think in terms. I, I probably should have called some of you guys. I don't know if any of you have any, any casting nets or not. But it's a real art. I, re I remember the first couple times I ever tried, I thought, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in all my life. 
But after a little while, man, I got really good at that thing. And, man, you just cast those nets, and the, the weights are on the outside, and you just watch. Y'all have seen them, right? And they cast it out, and it sinks down, and, and they pull it in. That's what these guys are doing every single day. This was their livelihood. This is what they were good at. As a matter of fact, their dad was really good at it because he owned the business. So sometimes we think that these disciples, maybe they were uneducated. Well, you know what? Maybe they were. But it doesn't mean that every fisherman is uneducated. Evidently, Zebedee was extremely successful because if you take this and other gospel accounts, you would see not only did his boys work for him, there were other people who worked for Zebedee. I think it was a very lucrative operation. I mean, they were not just doing this on the side. They were the professionals. And Jesus said, I want you to follow me. And isn't it interesting, the words that the Holy Spirit uses here, immediately. 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 They did what? They dropped their nets. Immediately, they left their dad. Immediately, they left the business. Immediately, they left everything that was normal and natural in order to do what? To follow Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you got some nets. And those nets are keeping you from truly following Jesus. Could it be the net of comfort? Are you willing today to leave comfort behind? I, I'm sure that's a very natural thing. All of us want to be comfortable. When we left Columbia this morning, it was a little chilly in the car, and I just turn, turned the heat on just a little bit, just to knock the chill out. Why? Because I wanted to be comfortable. We all like comfort. But what if the Lord came to us today and said, I, I want you to follow me in such a way that you would truly leave comfort and ease behind. In other words, that's not your target. That's not what drives you. What if it's comfort? What if it's your career? What if the Lord came to you today and said, I want you to follow me, but I want you to leave your profession just like I asked these guys to leave theirs. I mean, I mean, that's a reorientation of, of, of our entire way of life for most of us, right? Say, Ken, if you, if you didn't preach, what would you do? I'd be in a mess. Because for 40, 42 years, that's all I've done. I've been in ministry. Now, before ministry, I worked in textiles. Before ministry, I drove a bread truck. So, so maybe there's something I would learn, whatever the Lord would have for me. I, I, I know he would, he would teach me and grow me in that. But I want you to feel the weight of this, that, that sometimes God so interrupts us that sometimes we don't do what he wants us to do because we're more concerned with our way of living than we are trusting him for life itself. What if he asked you to give up your possessions? These guys could have been some pretty wealthy guys of their day. I do not think they were peasants. Perhaps they had a lot to lose. If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going we're to leave everything behind. I will say this, you really can't love Jesus and call yourself a disciple. If you love your house more, if you love your car more. You really can't be a disciple of Jesus if you love your possessions more, your TV, your stuff. By the way, most of us got too much stuff probably. Stuff. I'm in a place in my life now, I just want, and Pat knows this too, I would give everything we have away. Everything. I would sell our house tomorrow. Say, Kim, well, how would you live? I'd buy an RV. I've already thought this thing out, y'all. I'd just buy an RV. I'd come and pull up in the church parking lot. I'd hang out. I don't want stuff anymore. I want a simple life. I don't want things to weigh me down. And by the way, the more stuff you have, the more stuff you got to keep up. When Pat and I were married, you know, there's a statement, an old phrase that I won't use out of respect. But many of you are country enough you already knew where I was going right 
That's where we were when we first got married. We didn't have anything. It was probably the happiest time of our life. You know what? If you ain't got nothing, you don't worry about losing nothing, right? That's a great life. What if Jesus came to you and said, hey, I want you to give me your possessions. What if he came to you and said, hey, I want you to give me your position. I know you've climbed the ladder in that company, but I want you to follow me. What if God asked you today, give me that position. What if he said, hey, in order to follow me, you would think, hey, it's a step down. Is it really? Is it really a step down to follow Jesus? What if it was your family? I'm just going to be straight with you today. You understand that's part of what happened in the text. He was asking these men to leave their career, their what was normal, what was natural, their possessions. They dropped their nets. And then he said this, and I need you to leave your dad. Now, that one hurts a little bit. I love my kids. And I love my grandkids. I know some grandparents say, well, if I could have had the grandkids first, I'd have had them first. I'm not that way. I love my kids. And I love my grandkids. And they're starting to move in different places, and I really don't like it. But what if God asked me and Pat, Pat, what if God asked us to move away even from our family? I feel the tension in that. Our aging parents, and I want to be around them and love on them, care for them. But what if God said, Ken, I want you to follow me? These men left their family to follow Jesus. Did Jesus tell them to follow him and in doing so they would never see their family again? No, I don't think that is the context at all. But I do think the context is this devotion to Jesus supersedes even the closest family relationships. You can include your friends in that as well. What about safety? We all like being safe, don't we? We all like the covers of our life tucked in just right. The covers feel good. The temperature's good. But what if Jesus said, I want you to abandon your security and your safety? Do you know what he told his disciples? He said, I'm going to send you out among the what? Wolves. If they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. Here's another quote from Jesus. They will hate you because they hated me. Now you talk about where the rubber meets the road. What if God came to us today and said, I want you to give up your safety? You know, many times you hear about people who would who feel the call to mission or a, a, a whatever the Lord has for them, and, and, and they're going to go to some dark and dangerous place. And many times the first question is this, is it safe? A person who is really following Jesus is not concerned about that because they understand abandonment. They understand that the only life that matters is the life of Jesus. And so they're willing to follow him, and they're learning what to leave behind. What do you need to drop today in order to follow Jesus? Shoot, it's just us. I got time to do this. Do you know why I love this passage so much? I'm going to tell you why. The Lord allowed me to pastor an amazing group of people for 16 years. That's why I first met this couple right here. Y'all may not know this, but I officiated their wedding. Isn't that a small world? It's crazy, isn't it? And so that's why last week was even more special for me. 
So the Lord let me pastor Rocky Creek in Greenville and Woodruff Road for 16 years. Well, about year 15, 15 and a half, I'm sitting in my office, minding my own business, not really studying for a message, but I just wanted to read the Word, and I began to read Matthew 4, 19. And then I cross-referenced in the synoptic gospels to the other gospel accounts that, that writ about the same thing. And I just sat there going, Holy Spirit, I got a question. How come you said it this way in Matthew 4? But how come you said it this way in Luke? And, how come? and I'm telling you, it is like the Holy Ghost of God pulled up a chair and sat right down beside me and said, okay, I'm glad you asked. And I'm going to tell you. Ken, I know that you love Rocky Creek, and Rocky Creek loves you, but Rocky Creek has become a net. And I'm asking you to let that net go. And the Holy Spirit was right. He's always right. I go out in the parking lot and I call Pat and I said, all right, Pat, here's the deal. As much as we love being here, I'm telling you, God's, God's doing something. I met with our staff and I met with the leaders and we made it public and it was like a funeral. And the Lord sent us to, a, to the northern part of the county all because we believed that it was God's will to take us somewhere else and that I would let nothing become a net that I would not abandon and leave behind if my Savior asked me to do it. So we left. We go to the northern part of the county, and the first year we probably baptized 100. The second year it was the same number, maybe a few more. And then all hell broke loose. And God sent me to a place that absolutely broke every spiritual bone in my body. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Now, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. Because honest to goodness, I look back on that experience and do you know I see the hand of God in every single bit of it. God knows what he is doing. God knows what he is doing with his people. When God asks something of you, listen, you and I may have no clue at times what that means, but I promise you the Savior knows exactly what he's going to do. And as hard as it was, I'm telling you, I can look back and say I would not change one thing. I know that God is good. I know that God is faithful. I know that when I'm weak, he is strong. I know that he is my chief cornerstone. I know that he can be relied upon. I know that his word is true. I know that he is faithful. I know that he can give beauty for ashes. I know when I am low, he can birth a song in my soul. If I have to grunt the rest of this out, I will grunt it out. There is nothing, nothing any more important than what you do with those two words, follow me. And the third point, and I'll close with this, following Jesus means that we learn to place ourselves under his lordship. And, and there's no better place to be, y'all. 
if I know that I'm, if I'm under his lordship, whatever he asks, whatever he requires, he is worthy. I'm so glad we sang the songs that we did today because they're just a reminder of his lordship and his faithfulness and his goodness. He is Lord. He is Lord over all. Which means you and I are not Lord over all. Right? So when our Savior comes to us and asks something of us, Whatever he may tell us to put down, we can put down knowing that we're doing this because we're living under his lordship. He's the only one that can see eternity in one, just one glance. Do y'all like parades? I love parades. We go to parades. Think about a parade, you know, you find your spot and you're kind of there, Right? Now, you know when it starts because you can kind of hear things and you kind of see it coming, you know, maybe around the corner or over a hill or down the road. And, but you're really not sure how long the parade is because all you can see is what you can see from your vantage point. See, God's vantage point is different than ours, isn't it? We see things that it comes around the corner, but he, sings, he sees from beginning to end. You know why? Because he's Alpha and Omega. And so what we see is all jumbled. God doesn't see it jumbled at all. It all makes perfect sense. Why? Because he is a sovereign, holy God sitting on his throne. He is ruling. He is reigning. And he is asking us to live under his lordship. Jesus is much more than just fire insurance from hell. He is Savior, yes, but he's much more than Savior. Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. So has Jesus asked you to drop a net? Seriously. Is there something that you know Jesus has been dealing with you about? He's asked you to, to let something go. He's asked you to leave something behind. He's asked you to join him in his rule and his reign. Nothing is any greater as a disciple of Jesus than observe and to obey. When, when, when we were in Israel, we, we went to the, the Wailing Wall. And what we saw were these Jewish rabbis and their students. However the rabbi walked, that's how the students walked. Whatever the rabbis did, that's what their disciples did. So let's just say for the sake of this story that there was a 90-year-old rabbi. And let's say that rabbi has got a bad back and he's got a bad knee. Anybody here got bad backs and bad knees? All right? So maybe you don't walk as straight as you used to walk, and you don't walk as fast as you used to walk. And so here's what you would, you would see something like this. Here's an old rabbi, and he's walking like this, and behind him were 21 and 25-year-old young men walking just like this. Do you know why? Because they were following. Do you know the word in the Hebrew this same word, the idea of follow, means to be in the dust of someone else. And what, what we watched were these, these young men literally walking in the dust of this rabbi. The same Jesus who walked then is the same Jesus who is living now saying, I want you to follow me, mimic me, imitate me, do as I did. Church, I'm asking you to walk 
in my dust. Lord, today, I pray that as you have spoken, that, Lord, we have heard. Lord, there could be someone here today that's never trusted you, and today could be the day that they come alive in you. God, maybe someone needs to join this fellowship today, and today is the day that, God, we're going we're, we're gonna to walk and believe your lordship when it comes to, to church membership. God, it could be today that there are many in this room that, Lord, you've been dealing with on whatever topic, whatever subject, and, Lord, could it be that we give excuses instead of just saying, okay, Lord, I will drop anything to follow you. And Lord, it could be that there are some folks who need to drop some nets today and just trust you. And so, Lord, during this invitation, it's yours, and Lord, you do with it whatever you want to do with it to bring yourself glory. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Brother Scott and our praise team is going to lead us and have thine own way. I pray that that would be our prayer today. Lord, have your own way. Trust him. Trust him.
share some good news with you. Ronnie, if you'll come, come, go ahead and come stand with me. M many of you probably know this is Ronnie Edge, and Ronnie comes today, and uh, I, I don't know all, the whole story. I just love the fact that he said, when I came through the doors, I knew that the Lord wanted me to come back home. And so Ronnie comes today to unite as a, a member here at Poplar Springs. And if you're excited about that, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand, all right? Do that. Amen. Thank you, brother. God bless you. And then I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Patricia, she will come and stand with me. I'm going to grab that right quick. Come and stand with me. This, do you go by Patricia or Diane? Diane. Diane. This is Diane Rowland. And uh, we've got some newlyweds in the house, all right? How about that? Uh, but Diane comes, there you go. Diane comes from Blue Ridge View Baptist in Pickens and believes that uh, this is where she needs to be to grow and to learn. And, and uh, we just rejoice in that. And we're just thankful for that decision today. If you're thankful for Diane and rejoice in what the Lord's done, would you just say amen? Amen. amen. Give the Lord one more hand, all right? Amen. God bless you. I'm going to let you be seated, all right? Hey, brother, go ahead. All right. Amen. Fantastic. So... Tonight, our men will have their gathering at 6.15 uh, down in the fellowship hall. Guys, we're just to bring some dessert. Tea and coffee will be provided for you. And um, we're so excited that we have about 30 guys who are going through discipleship times together. And I know there was one group that because of sickness didn't get to meet, it doesn't matter. Just come on and we'll get together tonight. We can hardly wait. It's going to be a great time. Um, and it seems like there was something else I was supposed to say. Uh, let me just remind you of this. If you have not heard, uh, Brother Mike Johnson went to be with the Lord. We need to be remembering his family. Um, and also, uh, Fred Lockman and uh, Miss Melba are in the hospital with COVID. We need to be remembering them, Melba Banton. So let's continue to remember them tonight. And I think also next week is Trunk or Treat. Don't forget it if you haven't signed up to be a trunk. See Kim. She, she's magic. She'll make you a trunk. And if you, have, if you can make donations of candy and that kind of thing, I'm sure we still will use that. And if not, it'll be around here for the staff to eat next week. So if you'll um, please keep those things in mind. And I believe that's it. Mark, would you come and dismiss us in prayer today and remember these who are sick? Dear God, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given us to come together, to hear your word, to feel your word to experience it, Lord. Lord, may you live through us. Help us, Lord, to be your witness everywhere we go, to everyone we see and meet. We thank you, Lord, for these who've come to join our, our fellowship here. Lord, we praise you. We pray, Lord, that they might grow closer to you, closer to us, and closer to others. We thank you for all your many blessings. We ask this in your name. Amen.